0: All righty. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Adequately Informed podcast for Monday, October 4th, 2021. My name's Joe Hicks. And mine's Evan Kelly. Evan Kelly, what are we here to do today?
1: Well, Joe, I think we're going to mix it up this week by doing exactly the same thing we always do. And that's having a Yay! conversation. Whoa! I faked them out there. They were they they were on my hook and I, I reeled them in. They're, they're on board. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a conversation and we're going to discuss current events, the news of the day, the news of the world. And we are going to evaluate topics in the light of fact and in the light of informed opinion and we're going to evaluate these facts and opinions no matter where they come from making sure that we are treating these subjects in good faith and in this process we are always trying to keep ourselves and our audience adequately informed yeah
0: you know i think we need to develop a segment where we talk about the news of the future
1: oh yeah because the news of the day that could be kind of limiting right
0: yeah, yeah. I want the day, yesterday, and all of the past. That's way too limiting. Like, <laughs> I need the future as well.
1: All right, call, um, call up Tom Cruise. Let's get those precogs.
0: Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, uh, we tried to realize in our coverage that we are only human we haven't experienced all of human humanity and all perspectives so we're getting a little closer every day
1: but still not there a little
0: closer but um yeah we're definitely not close to the um you know some of all of human knowledge but we're getting close um we're not on the ivory tower but i think if we read the two books um you know what they teach you in Harvard Business School, and the other book, what they don't teach you in Harvard Business School. I think we may be on the ivory tower after that.
1: <laughs> well, that's like, the, that's the sum of human knowledge is is in those two books. Right,
0: exactly. Um, so I think that may be the one way that you can truly, acceptably, be on the ivory tower. Um, so I guess we're going to next week, next week, <laughs> we're, we're big changes.
1: But Evan, what are we talking about this week? All right. So we're back to talking about Survivor. The new season is back. There's some changes that are generating some controversy. And so we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about what they sort of mean in the modern media landscape. And uh, well, we'll hopefully have a broader discussion that everyone will enjoy not just fans of the world's greatest game show
0: all right now so, evan since you're the survivor fan tell us about it
1: yeah so after or i guess during the pandemic the producers of survivor and producers at CBS in general took a long hard look at themselves and wanted to give the show some updates that would hopefully undo some of the inequities of the past of survivor specifically in reality tv in general and so part of this meant that they wanted to specifically seek out a much more diverse cast than had typically been present in the show so now on any cbs reality show there is a mandate that all of the cast be at least 50 percent non-white And so there have been seasons of Survivor in the past which explicitly targeted racial diversity as sort of like the casting twist. For example, Survivor Cook Islands in like 2007, I want to say, explicitly divided the starting tribes based on race. And as such, it was uh, the most diverse cast in Survivor history, which they then replicated the following season for Survivor Fiji. Both of those casts were 75% non-white but that kind of went away. In most seasons, you see each tribe have sort of a token minority, but for the most part, 80, 85% white. So the new cast looks a lot different. For one, they've cast more individuals who are obviously people of color. They've attempted to cast more openly LGBT people. They've, they've done some stuff with disability casting. And so that the show just looks a lot different. And this, I think, has been a pretty positive change. I mean, we have a fantastic cast. There's not been, you know, it's not like they, they, they picked really boring personalities just because they fit some sort of racial quota. There's some really cool narratives and interesting personas that we're seeing this year on the island, which is making for so far two episodes in what I consider to be a very solid season of Survivor right now. But that's not really the moment that is getting people online all fired up. That moment has to do with one of Jeff Probst's signature catchphrases, come on in, guys. This is what he has used to welcome competitors of all genders into challenges for almost every season of the show. It is a, one of the most recognizable phrases in the Survivor lexicon, come on in, guys. But on the first day, or I guess the first challenge of the new season, Probst asked if anyone had an issue with him using the word guys, at which point Evie Jagoda, a cast member who, and, and I, I say this without... Trying to make it sound humorous or or lighthearted in any way because I genuinely don't know. At times, she has referred to herself as a queer woman. Also, um, it, it's been reported in the media that Evie is non-binary. So I'm just going to do my best to refer to Evie as Evie. um Evie, Evie said Evie. that. Yeah, I know. It's like my award show, and I'm I'm going to sue Evie because clearly um, I'm being infringed upon very deeply um (laughs) but every oscar ever oh yeah oscar isaac the fact that he doesn't have an oscar is the real travesty here hmm so evie said that the phrase come on in guys what was not offensive to them that evie felt included by this phrase and that made enough sense to me i feel like guys you know you wouldn't really necessarily call a female a guy just at face value but there's something about the the pluralizing of guys that makes it seem very um gender neutral you know i call groups of students at my elementary school that i work at guys and it doesn't doesn't raise any alarm bells it's just like i said it feels gender neutral to me and evie agreed and said you know Everyone here probably feels represented by that. go ahead. But then when they got called in for the next challenge, another cast member, Ricard Foyer, said that he felt that as a man, somehow he was offended by the term guys., um, and and he he is a gay man. but I what was really disappointing to me was that the show didn't explain why, The the change was being made. What about the term guys was so anachronistic in the year 2021 that it just kind of felt like virtue signaling, making a change for the sake of making a change. Probes said, you know, I want to be of the moment and doing things to be of the moment in general is not a very good reason to do things, I think <laughs> uh, we want to do things because they're right, and because and and, and what's right really doesn't. That's change like over a, time.
0: that's like when uh, someone makes an apology and they say, "I'm sorry that I offended anyone." It's not that I'm sorry for the action. It's sorry I'm, I'm offended. I, yeah, I'm but sorry this is for the, like the opposite direction. Yeah. It's like I don't. You know, it would be correct to say, you know, I don't want to. um you know, uh, trample on anyone's dignity as a person by the words that I use to describe people. Or you could say, I just want to do what's hip. Is this hip?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it just seemed like a weak justification and we didn't get a lot of explanation on it. I also think it's interesting that when Evie said that it was fine, that was not listened to and instead it's almost like the show let ricard mansplain to evie and you know the rest of the cast that had no issue with it why why that phrase was expensive although i guess to mansplain you have to explain and there was really no explanation given so i was disappointed with the way the change was handled but at the end of the day all jeff is gonna say is come on in And when you think about it, come on in or come on in, guys, is a very generic phrase. It's not like Jeff has to stop saying the tribe has spoken or something that could only make sense within the branding of Survivor. It's just one word being dropped from the show. So even though I think kind of everything surrounding it is is really pretty dumb when you stop to think about it for like eight seconds, it doesn't matter. It's not going to affect the trajectory of the show.
0: Like that was um, going into this. This was like my kind of one critique because I I haven't watched Survivor. Um, I, despite Evan, you know, wishing probably that I did, <laughs> but um, you know, was this such? I mean, this may have just been something he said all the time, but it it seems like a pretty pedestrian like a pretty utilitarian phase, or phrase that. It said, like, did anyone have, like, T-shirts that said, come on in, guys? Actually, yes. Anything like that? Yeah. It, okay. it was, I mean, they well. merchandised it,
1: but...
0: <laughs> okay. Like I said, it's well, one of it's one of the I, big phrases, but... Then I can hold it up as being a special phrase, then.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: the barrier, barrier of special phrase is, are there T-shirts made?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... So I don't think it's that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, and I would hope that no one else would. Clearly, Joe doesn't feel that it's that big of a deal as someone outside of the community, but we would all be mistaken if we thought that people did not have a real bug up their ass about this. There was an article in the freaking Federalist of all things complaining about how (laughs) how the show had caved to the woke agenda and how the show was was always just about people and it didn't matter if they were gay and richard hatch won the first season even though he was gay and you know just entirely missing the point of everything that we've learned about representation in television over the last 20 years um Mm -hmm. and and so i guess the, the fundamental premise of that article that i read was just incorrect changing the show to say come on in instead of come on in guys or casting more openly lgbt people it has not affected the game of survivor at all it's a game where you work together until you lose and then you have to vote each other out one by one and the the last person standing wins a million dollars mm-hmm. and that has has been what we're getting in this season it feels like survivor it plays like survivor and i think anyone who isn't you know so completely blinded by the desire to just react negatively to the word woke will see that this is a really great season so, so where we want to open up this conversation uh, Joe to maybe get it back into your wheelhouse is at what point does the the politics of a piece of media fundamentally alter the the story or the essence of that media and when can the Federalists just shut the fuck up?
0: I mean, I don't think the Federalist is ever gonna shut up so True. I mean, it just kind of seems like why even bother but (laughs) um i mean it just uh i i can mm, i i can kind of go three thoughts that all lead into each other the first is that i can actually kind of um in a way sympathize or maybe empathize i don't know that like a piece of TV that you may have been watching for a very long time with a set of parameters that brings you comfort in watching. And they bring along some things that you ne- don't necessarily ascribe to some characters and, you know, seeming celebration and giving them... um you know, uh, hold over the process that's been going on for a long time. Um, that may seem a little jarring. Um, I know it's just kind of a TV show, but you know, if someone's still watching Survivor at this late stage of however many season they've had, it it's seemingly important to them. So, so
1: let, let's I can push su- back on this because I feel like f- for that to make sense within the mind of a viewer. It would almost be predicated on this idea that, uh, you know, homophobia or lack of inclusion was part of the initial peel appeal, appeal of Survivor, but I, I, I don't know. That's but, I, but here's what I me. think: like,
0: um, that there's some way that I I could be sympathetic to is that, like, in the pay, you know, in the article that we read. He mentioned that the first person um, who won the game was a gay man.
1: Article was written by a, a woman.
0: Was it written by a woman? It was, yeah. Did I say a guy? You said he,
1: yeah. Richard oh. Hatch is a guy, but the author of the article was... This is not, I'm assume, not trying to make this a big deal.
0: <laughs> okay. I just assume everything at the Federalist is dudes, okay? Mm. I just worked under that assumption. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... But that maybe, you know, people could have these different identities, but that they just exist in this universe, you know, regardless of those identities. That not every time there's someone who is, you know, has the this, these different attributes um, needs to be called out. But the second point of it was, is that I was going to try and lead into was that, I mean, it's a TV show and one thing about, you know, the kind of, you know, I say conservative, but long time going, I mean, all, all pieces of art, all pieces of television, all pieces of media are political Mm -hmm. in some ways, what they choose to acknowledge and what they choose to ignore And Survivor is definitely a show that comes from a time when, um, at least it seems, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but a big depoliticization of most TV. I mean, this is a show, when did it start? Like around 2000. Yeah, right around 9 11. (laughs) Um, when a whole lot of mainstream television and media was like depoliticized and just made, you know, just made it so that they didn't interface with any of the any of that stuff in any sort of way. So having these people come onto survivor and changing, um, you know, just the composition of the cast or, you know, who gets, um, you know, what attributes they get talked about, that is as inherently political as the old system. Yeah, um, so It's just different.
1: Before you get into your third point, I want to respond to that because I, I do agree that all TV and all media is going to be political and Survivor is entering this territory that very few pieces of media get into where the world has changed so much to the point where the the social conditions that birth survivor in 2000 are unrecognizable now it's it's like the simpsons right the show started in the late 1980s as this rebuke of the rosy and utterly false view of the american family presented by the reagan and then hw bush administrations and so things like homer strangling bart weren't necessarily done to make light of child abuse it was done to expose the hypocrisy of the ruling political regime now years go on and in an era where we we have not only different politics but a different society stuff like that plays very very differently and i think it's the same Mm -hmm. for survivor you know in in the year 2000 the the cast members who were on the show with richard hatch called him the fat naked fag and they didn't even censor it they didn't even censor <laughs> it on tv yeah um yeah and, and it's something that he laughed off and he's he's never spoken ill of his time although of course he's also a, a sociopath <laughs> but that's a conversation mm-hmm. for a different time um but I guess the thing about Survivor is that it has kind of, it's been more flexible in terms of changing with the time. Like I said, they did almost racial experiments in about 2007, 2008. And of course with the watershed moment of Jeff Varner outing Zeke Smith as transgender on game changers in what was that? 2017 or so Survivor well before season 41 has been more directly concerned with gender politics, racial politics. So anyone who's kind of surprised by it now, you know, were, were you really paying attention? I mean, does isn't that kind
0: of like a core of the show anyway? <laughs> like just, you know, new, new ways of looking at it or not, but it's just like human relations yeah. and, like gender comes into that pretty heavily. Mhm. So, yeah. I I mean, it's part of the game. But the f- the final point I wanted to get into is that like there is some way in which when you have a more homogenous culture um you If you belong to that dominant culture, you can just kind of feel like, you know, just immerse yourself within it. You're you're a fish within water. You don't notice the water. Mm -hmm. And but then anyone who doesn't belong to that dominant group you know, they're like a, I don't know, like a squirrel or something in water. And they're like, hey, this water is really not working. For me. <laughs> and um, so we're coming to a, you know, a lot of what's been happening in our country and our culture is that in our mainstream cultural institutions, there has been more of a push to be more accommodating of the people who were outside of the mainstream of culture um but but in doing so that makes the people who were part of the dominant culture feel like they're out of water so it's like the fish is on land hanging out with the squirrel now you know and it's not that And this is not to say of whether that's right or wrong or which side we need to take. It's just that, I don't know, it almost goes back to the real thing uh, or the old saying that attempts to make things equal feel like oppression to the dominant class or the formerly dominant class. Like, this just seems like that. Like, the writer of that Federalist article just wanted their comfort uh, survivor show that they have known for however long and you know, they didn't seem as problematic or anything, and now it's being injected with all this other stuff that is helping include other people who may have felt um excluded from the survivor format, but then you know that can lead to feelings of exclusion from the person who was fine with it to begin with. So it's all it's a whole thing, a um, pattern that repeats itself in so many different areas.
1: Yeah. And that's that's what is really so interesting to me about this. Why I wanted to bring it up on the show besides any because you know, I love Survivor. I talk about Survivor every week in theory, but, you know, got to make it relevant. And th- that's kind of the thing about this, right, is that. It It just seems like it's, it's almost not about Survivor at all. There is like this media ecosystem that will reflexively churn out an article like this about whatever show or whatever piece of media does one thing that is slightly left of center and so i just wanted to point out that survivor has this is not the first time that survivor has attempted to be more on the right side of history for lack of a better term this is not the first time that survivor has explored these types of themes number one and number two it has not hurt the quality of the gameplay the show is still good um it's lots of fun to watch every week and um you know if you're not happy you can always wait the extra hour and then watch tough as nails i guess tough as nails i don't know it's just this show that phil kogan hosts where like they do construction I don't know I've never seen it it doesn't doesn't appeal to me at all
0: Evan you're saying so many words that don't mean I have no way to relate to them <laughs> I haven't watched network television in years <laughs> like like I have not had live television available to me since probably 2014 wow. um, besides the little times I've lived at my parents' house so yeah I I just don't know <laughs> <laughs> what are the what are what are programming blocks? Like what is that? Commercial breaks.
1: You remember uh, Comedy every, Night Done Right?
0: Every time I go and watch television somewhere, I am always appalled at how bad the commercials are. Like <laughs> just 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 oh, that's what these were.
1: Oh, ick. I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> no bueno
0: so yeah well i hope it works out for survivor i don't think this is going to be the nail in the coffin
1: no actually um it it retained virtually all of its viewership from its previous fall premiere in 2019 it even beat the masked singer in its time slot so clearly (gasps) i know right (laughs) Like Survivor ain't going nowhere, folks. It's doing it's doing just fine. Also,
0: I want to ask who's watching the Masked Singer? Like <laughs> I've seen so many people do takes on that. And I I, I guess I know someone who watches it, I guess.
1: I, I kid you not. I watch every week. I watch Survivor Live and then I watch Masked Singer next day on Hulu. Hmm. And
0: and you presumably like it?
1: Yeah, It's fine. It's just fun to guess who they are. So, like, if, if there was a, a show that didn't have all the singing performances and just had, like, the weekly clue packages, I, I think that would be as entertaining to me.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Television. What a wonderful world. And there's so much of it.
1: Infinite content. A little yeah. bit of everything yeah. all the time.
0: If you don't like how Survivor is doing things, there are other things to watch.
1: Like our next topic.
0: Oh, no. Our next topic. Our next topic is uh, the wonderful world of social media.
1: Oh, um, this is going to be... back at it. Yeah, this is going to be happier. Not. Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, this past week a leaked document from Facebook uh, came out. It was leaked to the Washington Post or Wall Street Journal yeah the Wall other Street W Journal. newspaper um, and it basically the document is an internal document that was meant to inspire Frank and op open discussion at at Facebook corporate And the gist of it is that, um, that Instagram is basically making young teenage girls' lives miserable um, through, you know, just sh- all the photos, all the sharing, all the, the you know, high expectations of, you know, what you do in life and all this stuff. It's making a subset of our population pretty damn miserable.
1: Um, yeah, the the idea being that a human body that gets put on instagram the average of all of the depictions of human bodies on instagram look better than the equivalent bodies as a sample of the entire population and so especially teenage girls who spend you know three, four, or five hours a day scrolling Instagram are internalizing these unhealthy body images. It, it, it's always been a problem, you know, supermodels and magazines promoting unhealthy body image. Right. But the thing, but the thing with that is, is you kind of pick up a magazine, you're like, oh, these these twig bitches, and then you feel bad. But but then it, you can kind of put it down. If you're scrolling Instagram for hours and hours, the effect is just magnified.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like all my life, I've heard there's been a discussion out there about um, depictions of women's bodies in media and about like whatever the it look is. And, you know, for a long time, there was, you know, some big discussions around the world of fashion where It basically became the culture of that world to have women who are basically just skin and bones um, be models and nobody else any like regular size or, you know, what have you. Um, But these discussions have always been out there, you know, but it's just like like Evan said with a magazine, you could kind of look at it and put it down or, you know, maybe if it's a commercial, you see it every once in a while. But Instagram is just turbocharging access to it and it's willingly participating in it. Mm-hmm. Um, or at, or as much as you will say, you can say willingly participate in it. Like you open up Instagram to look at pictures of things, um, but then the looking at pictures of things will can get you down. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's also just interesting, um, because like feelings of feeling bad about yourself in relation to others, like you have to um, see yourself as like competing in like the same ring. Like this is what we ta- like this is something we talk about in like inequality a lot. Like you you measure yourself up to your neighbor. And it doesn't really matter if you're doing all right. If your neighbor who, you know, is presumably similar to you is doing like way better than you, you get envious of that. Mm -hmm. And
1: but like, at the same time, I'm not sitting there watching football on Sundays being like, oh, damn, these athletes are so much more in shape than me, because of course they are. They're professional athletes. They're not like. Right. And I and I'm not and I'm not
0: like getting upset that I'm not, you know, making as much money as Jeff Bezos. Like I I'm I mean, maybe, but I'm not like envious (laughs) of him. Like I'm not beating myself up over this.
1: Like, oh, Um, damn, Jeff from down the street, he's He's a billionaire. (laughs) I could have been Jeff. What's stopping me?
0: If I had just made a few better decisions, I could have been Jeff.
1: If only I didn't eat all that avocado toast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But um, so it ends up creating like because you hear this like there's almost like a magical lore on the Internet that cute girl starts taking pictures of herself and then all of a sudden is like a millionaire. Um, Mm -hmm. because you know, um, people like pictures of cute girls and, um, you know, that's something that I guess is valuable for advertising. Mm -hmm. And then, but then when you start everybody competing against everybody for that market share, you, um, and you decide you want to be competing in that world or seeing what other people are doing with their lives then you can get kind of down on yourself and especially if you're a, just a teenager who's just like developing as a human mm-hmm. and and um you know is not really competing like i guess i guess it, it can be it can be of- hard
1: to snap out go ahead yeah
0: I guess being a teenager is just in the modern era is just realizing or learning to see how you don't stack up against everybody and feeling bad about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it, it's so accelerated on an online setting where before, you know, there were sort of physical boundaries. You would go to school and you would see like a finite number of people. Now th- there's never going to be an end to that scroll of content that you can access for free at the, the, your fingertips yeah. but it, it's hard to snap out of even as an adult with with the fully formed brain and hopefully some more stable sense of self like um i don't really use twitter anymore there, there's a time when i was using when i was on twitter all the time and it feels awesome when you get a tweet that gets a few retweets and then that's kind of your bar it's it's kind of like a one way ratchet you you feel like you need that level of validation every other time and so if if you post a tweet that gets like two likes you're like okay cool and then your next tweet gets six likes and then you post a third tweet that only gets two likes that's not the same rush anymore and that's exactly how their the, the the media companies want it they want you to be Chasing the high of getting that positive reception. And the way to do that is to kind of constantly be churning out content in hopes that some of it will give you the positive response that you're looking for. So that does two things. Number one, like I said, it creates free content for the social media companies, be it Twitter, Instagram, what have you. And then also, it gives you a lot of opportunities to fail and draw these negative comparisons for yourself.
0: Yeah. Seize the means of posting. Um, (laughs) And that's with an A in there. That is very important. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's weird because I don't have like the same issue with Twitter, like I'll tweet stuff and, you know, sometimes it hurts a little bit if it doesn't, you know, perform well, but it is what it is. I, I more so like reading, you know, other people's takes and all that stuff. But I will say with this Instagram thing, I had a very similar thing. You know, there was a while when I was like back in college and I made an Instagram and I never posted or followed anyone I knew. I was just like, oh, there's some hot models on here posting cool pictures. And I want to look at those because, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm a dude in college. L- look, doing man, whatever.
1: people like you know the the people in general liking pictures of attractive women is just a universal constant across societies across time it's just it, it it just exists you don't have no, to No, it's a unique thing i do <laughs> you're like no i am a pervert let me
0: catch cash this as much as possible sometimes i like looking at good looking women um but but It got to the point where like I was getting down on this and I'm like just some guy like I'm not competing in the same orbit as those models and, you know, what have you. But I was like seeing all these pictures like, oh, man, they're out working out and traveling to all these places. It's showing, you know, it's like very expressly showing some other version of life out there that you probably don't have access to. Mm -hmm. Like if, if anything, that's the, like the biggest thing, like, you know, in other forms of media, like maybe, you know, you watched a TV show of someone's, um, a tour of someone's big, stupid fuck off mansion. And, But, you know, it'd be like somewhat removed because it's like done through a camera crew and and, you know, they're very kind of stilted talking and and, you know, they don't know what to do with their hands and Mm -hmm. while they're showing the house and all this stuff. But social media is so curated that you can just make it seem like you're this on the ball best version of yourself every single day. And
1: that sells. Oh, that that was, sells. That was the exact point I wanted to make. Yeah, is is that? Of, of course, MTV Cribs and an Instagram feed are equally curated, right? It's someone choosing what part of their lives to display to the world, and they do want to pick the best part. But what the social media does is that for maybe people who who aren't as media savvy or maybe they've grown up in it and and so it just feels natural to them is that these social media apps they help to obscure the level of artifice so that you don't experience it as some weirdly produced and curated tv show you experience it as oh these are just people's lives And this is the bar for what that life can be. You don't see the messiness behind it. You see the vacation. You don't see the fight that you had in the airport on the way to the vacation. And so Mm -hmm. you get a really skewed and inaccurate view of what life is and what it can be. And then when your own life inevitably doesn't match that, it creates disappointment and negative feelings.
0: Right. It's... It's all about giving the idea of, like, that all of that is happening. It's not taking a whole lot of effort to show it. And this is, like, the authentic representation. Like a reality TV show, you see the credits at the end. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like,
0: you know there's other people working on this, (laughs) whereas, like, a highly curated Instagram um, you know, you—I don't think you have a credits section. Um, <laughs> you could just play it off as it being yourself, but then also you don't see all the like weird stuff of like taking a thousand pictures that are essentially the same, but just trying to find the one that's just aesthetically pleasing. You know, mm-hmm. or going on those dang trips and, you know, I've heard of this from, you know, people who do that where they they go on these trips just for content, like yeah. they're not even able to like authentically experience it like, you know, you or I would if we went on one of these trips, um, you know, they're there to make content in a new location And sell a lifestyle or, you know, because people want to gravitate towards people who have like, I mean, we want to aspire to greater things and seeing people who have it is just seemingly a natural urge of a large number of people. So when you sell, you're able to sell that you have this high flying life. I mean, even if you're not really getting to enjoy it, you're making money off of it at least.
1: Mm-hmm. But it becomes, so. you know, you, you're, you, your entire life becomes a business trip. You have yeah. to monetize your projection of yourself. And that, I mean, I, I, if that were me, I would just find that so psychically uncomfortable. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, of course, nobody's begging to see my vacation photos anyway, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, but yeah it, it, it's
0: just it, it, it if anything it's like being able to see someone how life could be and with Instagram since it's not like a reality show the barrier to entry is so much lower and then like even if it's not you know these big name people or you know who people who are making millions of dollars even just someone who who's just, getting a little bit more than you or like experiencing a little bit more in life or what have you can just be, you know, it can make you feel bad.
1: Yeah. So that that's all kind of what's going on in the study. But there's another piece of this story that I think merits our discussion. And that's, as Joe mentioned, that this was discovered from leaked documents from internal research that Facebook which owns Instagram was conducting and that they've kind of sat on so not only do it's one of those situations where now not only do we know that X thing is bad but we know that the maker of X thing has evidence to suggest that it's bad and they're not doing anything about it so what do you make of Facebook's corporate responsibility here (sighs)
0: This is one thing where I actually don't have a ton of fully formed ideas because like it seems like different social medias have bad effects and can affect people in bad ways. But I'm not necessarily sure where to go from here or what kind of like government rules there should be or anything like that because it's like i don't know you think about it instagram is just like pretty simple you share a picture of yourself and people can like or comment on it and you know it's like what do you do with that or i mean do we just like bar people under the age of 18 from participating in social media i mean i don't know if that's necessarily the way to go but or or just like maybe I mean, you know, since it's all still so new, maybe we, in the coming years, develop a, um, you know, societal, cultural awareness of what we need to do and be like, you know, instead of just telling your kids, no Facebook, be like, well, I don't want you to have Facebook because there's a good chance that you'll look at everybody and start to feel bad about yourself or, you know, something like that.
1: So, we, we just need know. a we need a version of the safe sex speech for social media. Essentially, yeah. Like, hey, we know we're gonna u- you're gonna use social media. Just wear a condom.
0: Just don't get too down about it. You don't need to be there
1: yeah there's a wide range of things that you could do obviously you could say you know Facebook should shut down Instagram that's a little draconian and I don't think it would work anyway because you know the genie's kind of out of the bottle on this if it's not well, Instagram yeah. I, yeah.
0: The, the article I read was you know Facebook bought Instagram for a billion dollars and now people are saying it's worth like a hundred billion dollars like <laughs> it's it's hard to shut something down like you know something like that down
1: yeah, so some identical service would rise in its place. Um, so then, yeah, we could do things like age restricted, but that's pretty easy to get around, right? Kids lie about yeah. their age to access things on the internet all the time. Um, go, go ahead.
0: Oh no, I I mean I was gonna say like, are we gonna have force them like people to upload pictures of their government ID? I, did, I you know, issued ID so that they can you use social media, which also just feels like wrong, <laughs> like way too much.
1: Yeah, yeah. So alright, here I'm I just developed this idea. I'm gonna pitch it to you and you're gonna respond to it. What if okay. um we tax Instagram profits and funnel them towards agencies and organizations that counteract its negative effects.
0: I mean, maybe you'd want to like figure out what that tax is.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Uh, we have a a rousing amount of support from Joe. You heard it here first. uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. But I, I, I think where
0: this all gets hard is because like, There are some people who are able to use social media for their benefit. You know, they're able to make money off of it. But for most users, it's just kind of a casual recreational activity or in the case of Facebook, almost utilitarian, like keeping up with um, people who are outside of your immediate social circle. But like so it all just feels very recreational like I don't know. It's just we we tend to not regulate stuff that we view people as willingly participating in. But I guess I think just part of this is is that and this has always been the conversation with social media is how much are we willing participants and how much is our participation being driven by the
1: app itself? So yeah, the fact remains that people do use this social media. And if it grows to the point where we understand the identifiable harms and we think we have a reasonable ability to solve for some of these harms, we should.
0: Yeah, but I, I think part of why social media continues to have the issues that it does is because we can't really think of a good like solution of what to do, (laughs) um, of how to act against it. And it also doesn't help that like the members of government who are, um, supposedly in charge of crafting whatever, Uh, regulations would be on these products just have no clue
1: that is Um, a fantastically valid point the average media like new media literacy among members of congress is not great and i'm not trying to judge my media my new media literacy isn't fantastic either like i'm just drifting more and more into like a a neo-luddite type scenario or i'm just like yeah just just burn it all to the ground none of it's good But Uh (laughs) but you know um, somebody's got to know more about this than me. They can do it. Yeah, we're only adequately informed. We're not on the ivory tower. We're not
0: fully informed. So I'm sure this you know because we talked about this. This means that this week Ezra Klein is going to have a guest that addresses all of this in a very (laughs) thoughtful and compelling manner. Yeah, and and um, yeah, we're we're just ahead of the game. But yeah, social media just seems like a weird nut that we're still trying to crack of what to do. I mean, China has made a decision on what to do with it, and it's basically decided to um, do a whole bunch of antitrust shit to these companies that exist in China that serve similar purposes. Um, Basically because they see it as not really a worthwhile use of resources in trying to produce a more powerful china but like but it's also just we're in the us we're not really having to vie for trying to leverage all of our resources to become a more powerful nation in the face of us Um,
1: (laughs) it it is an entirely different political economy for sure
0: Yeah. So, you know, we have all these people who definitely have more room for leisure and, you know, things in their lives that are not productive. So that just seems to be part of it as well. I mean, it, it makes people's lives tough, but I I don't know. I feel like I've found a good equilibrium with my social media usage. Um, But I know there have definitely been times in my life where I haven't. Joe, what do you think of
1: TikTok?
0: I don't use it.
1: Good, good. Yeah. Although I I I will
0: watch, I'll watch uh, TikTok compilations on YouTube, though.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, TikTok scares the shit out of me because, like, the algorithm is really good at figuring out what you like and what keeps you on the app um that's horrifying to me because then it just becomes an endless stream of stuff that you have a pretty good shot at watching and the videos are so short it like it's like retraining your attention span to go lower and lower terrifying to me terrifying hate it
0: yeah you see by watching the tiktok compilations on youtube i get the best of both worlds (laughs) yeah yeah I get to see some of the content and then I'm also not melting my brain.
1: <laughs> I only watch four hour long Russian dramas. That is how <laughs> I stay so mentally sharp. As you guys can all hear, I'm clearly a genius. <laughs> uh, the jokes. You, you only
0: read Tolstoy.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I have working my way through the complete works of Dostoevsky. Um, <laughs> I, I I only uh, watch films directed by Tarkovsky, um, <laughs> and uh, I only listen to uh, classical music. Your farts smell very good, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I don't get. Is like classical music. Like th- they say that listening to Beethoven helps like cognitive function in babies. I've never gotten it. I've just always always like. What the I deals.
0: understand is that study has been. Um, kind of debunked
1: isn't every study Um, just get debunked eventually (laughs)
0: yeah well i think we're actually going through a pretty big period of um method scrutiny and research Mm -hmm. um it seems to definitely be i follow some economists on twitter and it definitely seems like in the econ world they're starting to Come to be like hey everybody We need to like get on top of this Our methodological stuff Um but I mean Shit I mean Beethoven and babies I'm sure that was just like A survey and Of course the people Who have their kids listen to Beethoven are probably are yeah. yeah yeah they're probably I mean, it's Just really tri-
1: tracking wealth yeah
0: Yeah yeah so Um Yeah it's But someday maybe all research will be better. And but yeah, I I mean, just as since we're on a tangent, man, there was like some paper that came out um, not too long ago where they had like five pretty prominent economists who had a lot of work come together and they came together and. What they did was they gave each one of them a data set and told them to run the numbers, and they all came out with different results. Jeez. Some of them had a different sign on the multiplier, um, which means, you know, instead of a positive relationship, they found a negative relationship.
1: Wait, what? Um,
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And um, some of them were like, uh, three times off the actual, um, multiplier. So yeah, it was wild. And that's a very concerning paper. Um, <laughs> if you can have like five people who are supposedly able to do the same job, come and do the job in very different manners, then you got a problem. It's yeah. not as you know strict as you would think it would be.
1: And then, of course, all that stuff just ends up being fodder for people who are like, see, research doesn't matter at all. You just got to do whatever. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, that's still not the solution. The solution is let's work within these parameters. Make it better, of course. Um, yeah, let's figure out why that happened. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise... Yeah. Knowledge acquisition yeah. is still worth pursuing, even if we're not. Committed. Well, yeah, they
0: were getting into it. And I think a big part of it was just how they cleaned up the data. <laughs> like, you know, you get this big spreadsheet and not every line of it has all the same numbers. And then, oh, my gosh, the number of times they talk about um, um, uh, papers where the data set that they used it was in excel and for whatever reason one of their one of their variables just got converted to dates instead of numbers oh no so that it didn't run properly in the regression so yeah there's there's a lot of problems in all this like there's a lot of data science out there but it is not like a very universal straightforward thing it seems like there's still a lot of art to it
1: So the world does need more artists after all.
0: So anyway, we hope that we can find relief for teenage girls and their Instagram woes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Everyone just, uh, you know, spend a little less time on social media. If, if this is spoken to you in any way, podcasts aren't a
0: problem. Nobody has problems with podcasts.
1: Podcasts are just radio, but cool. Um, so we're fine. Like this, this doesn't do anything bad to your old noggin. Um, Not at all. Not (laughs) at all. Not Not at all. Take our word for it. Um, but, um, you know, I, I really, for a long time, coinciding with (laughs) my unemployment was, was kind of terminally online. And I would get to the point where, you know, I would in a day read every tweet. That would come across my feed. Every one. I could scroll until I got to the point where last night I I had stopped reading. Ooh. And yeah, that's scary. That's not good. People shouldn't do that. And I do feel better, like in my own brain, I feel better since I've really heavily curtailed that use. Yeah, I think
0: I think I my social media uses just felt so much worse when I was like depressed um and had like a bunch of other things going but i don't know it's almost like a cliche it's like well if you're healthy and everything's going fine it's all right for you you can dabble in a little danger um (laughs) it's like with alcohol or other drugs it's like well if you're just if you're doing all right and you want to just have a little fun with it you can do it but if you're in any way in a serious condition and you are susceptible to bad things then this may not
1: be for you (laughs) yeah so yeah no that's very accurate um it's just always it's always tough with things that are addicting and we know that social media can be addicting um you know you got to really monitor it so that it doesn't spiral out of control
0: but then again i mean like i remember there was uh moral fervor about like teenagers texting before social media came out or it was like a really ubiquitous thing like i don't know there was like even a satirical onion article or video about like um family decided to euthanize teenager who is terminally texting <laughs> or something like that and it's like there's always some sort of moral panic but i don't know if texting was like this creates the same bad feeling in the user that social media does.
1: Yeah. That, that one seems like a little bit of a, an overreaction in retrospect, you know, um, what, I, not... we're not going to euthanize children who are texting too much. Yeah. You know, I think, I think they can probably make it through society. I think, I think uh, they you're have just not so that woke. Uh,
0: I know, you know. I thought I this just... program was freedom of speech <laughs> without that kind of stuff.
1: I thought that this was just a show about watching people starve to death. That's what I yeah. thought. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's what the show is. Evan, um, any last thoughts? No, no. Okay. Well, on that note, we'd like to thank you all for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, hit us up at podcast at adequatelyinformed.com topic suggestions Um, too oh
1: yeah we'll talk about
0: topics um you know it's unfortunately it's not a bottomless well there is only so much we can talk about um but we're giving it a good go but we'd like to thank you for listening anthony hish for the music but anyway my name's joe hicks
1: and mine's evan kelly
0: and we hope that you've been
1: adequately informed